Welcome to episode 153 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we play Doki Doki Literature Club. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I am your not-host, Jacob McCord, and I have three friends with me here today. Uh, your first friend, you know her, you love her. Her name is Katie Lesperance. Oh, hi. I'm ready to talk about a game that, that uh, unexpectedly scared the crap out of me. Yay! <laughs> uh, here with her thoughts about scary, spooky things is Flora Marigold. Uh, welcome to the show, Flora. Yes, I would say thank you for having me, but apparently I'm supposed to be the host here. I just lost my voice and I felt sub- like self-conscious. So anyway, Jacob, you, you did the honey words at the beginning and I appreciate you. The honey words. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It went down smooth, was the analogy. Thank uh, you so much. Very good. And uh, here, uh, first time on the show, uh, content creator, VTuber, streamer, Ms. Witch, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, we are so ecstatic to have you, especially because I think you've played the most Doki Doki Literature <laughs> Club out of all of us, maybe more than all of us combined. But before we get to that, I'd love to know about what you do. Uh, I am a VTuber streamer. Uh, I just play mostly, uh, like comfortable games. I would, I suppose you would say Stardew Valley's the bread and butter Minecraft. Uh, but I'm also a dating sim connoisseur. I have played hundreds of hours of various dating sims and otome <laughs> games. It's, uh, one of my defining personality traits at this point. <laughs> Well, then, uh, Flora, you'll have to ask about recommendations for other dating sims and the like at the end of the show. Uh, but if folks want to find you on the web, where's the best place they can do that? Uh, best place is on Twitter at Miss Viva Itch. Two V's instead of the W. <laughs> Which, this is the first time you've been on our podcast. One of the things we like to do with new guests on the show um, is put them through what we call the gauntlet. And it's not something to intimidate, but rather just kind of uh, get a quick series of impressions on your gaming history, your tastes, your experiences, etc. Um, and so, um, first question, uh, I'll just go down the list in, in case you have the document open here. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever pretended to be sick to get out of something so you could play a game? I don't know if I say I would have pretended to have been sick, but I have definitely made up excuses as to, you know what, no, because the easy excuse is, oh, I'm not feeling good. Yeah, I just don't want to go out. I want to stay home. And that's low key for, I just want to play my games. Any games in particular? <sighs> this is going to sound so bad, but probably Minecraft. <laughs> uh, were you like sucked into some particular build or were you playing with friends or like, what was the context? Why was that Minecraft session so compelling? It's... It- Anytime you boot up Minecraft, you know, in a world with other people, you just get... Minecraft is sort of like, when you're playing with other folks, it's very fleeting. You don't know how long it's going to last, and when it's good, it's good. So it's like, you got to get the good in while it's good. Because then you won't touch it for six months. <laughs> yeah, agreed. That that aligns with my experience. Um, what's your earliest gaming memory? First game you remember playing, or first game you remember, like, sticking with you? Uh, probably Pokemon Yellow on the Game Boy okay, Color. Nice. Cool. And Paper Boy, which is a weird one, but that's the one I remember playing oh. the most. Because my dad I don't know really liked it. You don't, 
You don't know that <laughs> game, Flora? No. What's the game? Paperboy. I- you're on a you're you're a paperboy and you're biking down the street <laughs> That's it. That's it. and you have to throw the papers at the houses and you try to get them in the mailbox. If not, maybe on the doorstep. But you also have to try to not hit certain things. You know, try not knock people out. Or I believe I don't know. I think you can like hit me try to not hit a dog and like doesn't a dog chase you at some point yeah yeah Yeah, you can get chased by the dog it's a great it's kind of like lake but the arcade game if you've played lake oh my gosh (laughs) that sounds mischievous i love it i should check that out like unironically um so of all the games you've played what are some of the games that you've spent like too much time playing other than perhaps doki doki uh my game with the highest hours, and I'm gonna say this is across like all systems I've ever played, is uh, Skyrim. Oh, okay. uh, between the what did it release on PS3, PS4? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, between that hundred, I think on Steam I have like 500 hours, and wow. I most <laughs> most of my time is put in on the place on the consoles. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have a ps3 to check the original files but it's well i i would guess close to the thousand mark i love skyrim it's so fun gotcha. i would have expected stardew valley to be honest no but, um, but, it's skyrim mm, okay <laughs> good choice to be honest um do you have any controversial gaming opinions Probably get your not. lawyers on the phone <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna get canceled no uh honestly no, I probably really don't. I kind of just mind my business when it comes to... <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> uh, the most controversial opinion is probably that I really like dating Sims and Otomes, and that's... I think they're really good. <laughs> and they are valid. <laughs> yeah, well... That I, I think we're we're gonna get there with the conversation today, but I also feel that way. Um, I'm a big dating sim fan myself, so I'm glad that you're like on the same team. Uh, I I know the stigma all too well. Um, I would like to ask a follow up. Um, yeah. Are you Team Mario, Team Luigi? Because that may be controversial here. I know Luigi had like his own year and everything. And so, like, people are big, like, Luigi comeback, like, Luigi's the underdog. I don't, I I don't care about, I don't, my, oh, you know what, my controversial opinion, I don't like Mario. (laughs) I I don't like Mario games. (laughs) Fair, very good, okay. I I thought for a second you were going to be, like, Mario Switzerland, but it sounds like you're not Mario Switzerland (laughs) at all. (laughs) No, I just don't like Mario games, period. Mario Party, bad. Mario Platforming, wow. not a fan. I from, don't like. From wait, I, wait, you play Mario Kart. How do you square that? Oh, it's a driving game. It's not a platform. Oh, <laughs> from from good, no hot good. takes, like a no no hot takes to Mario bad. That's big term. <laughs> Potentially the most controversial thing I, that has ever been said when we asked that most question. Most likely, yes. <laughs> so, folks are usually like, I don't like Pikachu. Or like, you know, Squirtle sometimes is bad to Mario bad. So, anyway, Flora, sorry. Okay. Um, Doki Doki Literature Club is a game that is deceptively wholesome, but in fact is going to ruin your life, presumably, with how its characters take various turns within the narrative. So we should probably go ahead and segue into that. Um, 
Doki Doki Literature Club is a game that was developed and published by Team Salvato. Um, the Plus version, Doki Doki Literature Club Plus, uh, was released in 2021, and the original was 2017. So there were different people who worked on this game. Uh, Serenity Forge and P-Cube ended up publishing the um, Plus edition. It has some tweaks to it, but is overall the same game. It was released on um, Linux, Mac OS, Windows, uh, and then with Plus, Switch, PS4 and 5, um, Xbox systems, Windows, and Mac. So um, let's start off with the fast pitch. If you had to describe this game in one sentence, how would you talk about Doki Doki? Katie. I actually have one. After my recent failures at fast pitches, I have one. I'm ready. Uh, it is the most cheerfully soundtracked visual novel horror show. That is my fast pitch. <laughs> well encapsulated jacob i also prepared one today and said uh what if jordan's p jordan peels get out was a visual novel dating sim oh see you're just oh, so good at that man. good job florida do you maybe want to go third I, I can certainly come in here um i okay off the top of my head doki doki literature club is a game for fans of dating sims and visual novels but actually a game um, that will haunt you for the rest of your life. I would say it is the only dating sim that people who don't like dating sims would enjoy. In fact, it is not for people who enjoy dating sims whatsoever. Even though you just like said something antithetical to my pitch, I think you're actually completely correct. Um, I, I, I think that um, our two co-hosts here are probably not dating sim fans, if I had to guess. And and to hear that sort of subversion right off the bat, I, I wonder to what extent we need a background in being like dating sim fans to uh, to appreciate what happens and, and what twists are, are turned throughout the game. Um, would either of you like to make a response to that, or, or should I carry us through? Yeah, we could talk about our past. Um, so I have had basically zero dating sim experience outside of Stardew Valley, which it's a component of that game. It is not the focus of that game. It's like a little, a little side dash of uh, dating sim. And also visual novels, not really. And anime. Not a big anime fan. So uh, this game was being talked about us playing it or doing a podcast on it. And I thought, you know what? I know it's short. I know that people talk about it very highly. Like I've talked, I've heard a lot about Doki Doki. And I thought, you know what? If there's one of these to try out and just take a shot at, it seems like it's this one. And if I, if I'm 10 minutes in and I'm like, nope. I'm just going to nope out, then it's okay because we have other people to be on this pod. So I thought I'd give it a try and I was pleasantly surprised with my experience. Pleasantly. I mean, not pleasantly, but you know what I mean? I, I, it was a worth, it was worth my time. Good. That's, I I love that. Jacob. I have played uh, a decent amount of visual novels. Um, I have spoken about um, the Zero Escape series on this podcast. Uh, I, I really enjoy them. Although I've not really played a dating sim, I don't think ever. I think like Dream Daddy has been on my okay, to yeah. playlist for years, but I've never played one like Katie. Components of g- games where there's dating elements, wow. sure. Uh, but this would be my first. And boy, do we pick a good one for that. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, 
you're making me feel like I'm some romantic sap or something. Um, which, what's your, I know that you have like a whole plethora, but like, <laughs> I should probably out you as a Hotofa boyfriend fan. Any others that are um, peak visual novels or dating sims for you? Um, oh, that's so hard because there's so many good ones. Uh, I don't know if, I feel like Dong and Ro- I don't know if Danganronpa counts as, like, a visual... There's some gameplay elements, but it's, like, you're mostly reading and walking around in that yeah. game. Danganronpa's really good. I have played uh, the Nonary games, uh, 999, very good. Okay. Uh, lots of Otomes. Uh, most recently, Pio Fiore, 1926. Uh, Café Enchante. Uh, I'm a big connoisseur of... The visual. I, I don't read, but I read visual novels. <laughs> They're kind of yeah. like books. It's I a mean, very yeah. expensive book. <laughs> it, this one is billed as a literature club, so um, quite quite the uh, text based experience to delve through. Um, my history, as far as like visual novels and stuff goes, like if I'm kind of embarrassed. If you look at my Steam Perfect Games category, most of them are dating sims or visual novels of some variety. Like half of the 40 games I've gotten all the achievements in are some variety of visual novel or dating sim. Um, I I think some of the ones that uh, Witch mentions are, are in line with my interests as well. Though I have not played the 999 games, I definitely should. Um, and some of them are like less wholesome, of course, but we certainly don't need to go into those, uh, those discrepancies here. Um, just to give some context for Doki Doki specifically, um, this game came out um, on the same day as Jacob. How do you say this? Pokémon Tournament DX. Yeah, Pokémon Tournament is the uh, Pokémon fighting game that came out on Switch. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah. I had never heard of it. Uh, Project Cars Two, Steam World Dig Two also came out on the same day, same week. Uh, Danganronpa. Speaking of which, uh, V Three came out, Killing Harmony and Cuphead. So, um, good year for video games, 2017. And this one is free, albeit. So, um, anyway, it's, it's kind of astonishing that we, some of us, have waited like five years to touch this. Um, so, we've covered our experience with Dating Sims and sort of the context here. Uh, how did we play? Uh, which, where did you play this game initially? Uh, PC. Steam. PC, okay. Have you revisited Plus at all? And same question to the rest of you. I did. I didn't do any of the extra content, though. Okay, got you. Katie? Uh, PC, and I played the original. Okay, Jacob? Yeah, PC, the original. Um, I, I did think about buying Plus because it's literally on everything, but I figured, hey, you know what? For once, I'm not going to buy a game on multiple consoles. <laughs> I did it. I Fair. did it, y'all. Self-control. Exercised. Um, I played this originally, the free version on Steam, and then bought the Plus edition um, at some point, I wanted to compare mostly the additional content, but also whether the presentation was different. And at some point, I can speak to those differences. But um, I've done like 14 hours total between the two versions. Whoa. So it feels like a pretty heavy investment for a game that is otherwise free. Um, so um, we should probably talk about like what this game is. We've said visual novel, we said dating sim, but like the first, if I had to estimate two hours is very much straightforward. You probably buy into everything that is happening. Um, would anyone like to talk about their first impressions with this game? Katie? I can start. So I had not yet started this game when Jacob came into the group chat <laughs> and said, you know, breaking the cardinal rule, you know, typically save it for the pod. But he said, 
oh my god like mind blown i'm not okay and i thought what literally how why i don't understand um and then i started playing this game and about an hour in had i not heard that it's actually a good thing that you did this jacob because had i not heard that i might have noped out because i was like this isn't for me like i i i get what they're doing it's nice but i i'm i'm not i probably would not have kept playing i probably said guys i'm out everybody i'm out um and then i i hung on because i'm like something's gonna happen that's gonna shake things up so my initial experience was dating sim very nice just not for me it's very saccharine in the beginning. Yes, like it, it's, it's very much. Like a lot of dating sims have this like wish fulfillment fantasy within them where um, it wants to give you gratification for simply existing and it like praises you incessantly for being you, whatever that means. And uh, like the protagonist in this game is framed as some like somewhat reluctant but very much. Um, let's say attractive or, or or dateable sort of person and everyone that you meet in this game falls for you first first conversation basically and so like th- that alone just as a descriptor might be a barrier might put some people off and I, and i probably would expect that that happened to you how about jacob so i first heard about this game through game theory the youtube channel matt okay. pat uh, because I was watching, never played a Five Nights at Freddy's game. That's a lie. I've played the first one for a little bit, but I watch all of the Five Nights at yeah. Freddy's content, you know, him breaking down exactly what's happening in the world. And I discovered this game because of his channel. He finds these games. And so I knew about this game and I actually knew about where it went because I watched the video hmm. about like the end of it. But the thing that shocked me most without diving into it entirely is the switch like how quickly the saccharin to um like bitter i guess if you will switch gets flipped and uh we'll talk about it in a bit but i i legitimately don't think i've been not okay like this playing a video game potentially ever yeah this might be the point where i need to apologize to both of you for making you play this game without actually telling you like no what did I, I, wanted to. I, I enjoyed it yeah no i i enjoy being surprised and shocked by a game and going oh my god this isn't what i thought it was yeah. um so no i i no no harm no foul for sure and i knew what it was and i've played games that have similar at what point do we do we say spoilers we, are happening now might as well now yeah, okay, like, so bail if you haven't played this game. It's it's not that long. It's worth discovering for yourself. Um, thank you for being here, but you can pause it safely. We will otherwise exhaust the shock potential that this game has, which I think is really the thing that makes it so compelling. I've played other games like Inscription that have these sort of like real hard twists. Um, I will not spoil Inscription, I promise. Um, but uh, yeah, I was I was expecting the twist, but I don't think I was expecting it as early as it came. Yeah, definitely. Um, which, what was, like, I know I'm probably asking you to reach back several years, but um, did you have a sense of the twist in coming, playing the game for the first time? Or did it, like me, like, totally take you off guard? Uh, so I knew, obviously, you know, going in that there's something that's not quite right. Uh, and you're just, like, waiting for that moment the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and so... At some point, it starts to sort of, like, build up. And it's like, oh, no. 
oh no no <laughs> and uh, yeah I was just sad I, I don't remember, because um, Jacob and Katie, and, and presumably yourself, uh, which I think, um, does the original game have a content warning? Because Plus does. When you first launch it, it tells you, weirdly, the first thing is that all the characters are at least 18 years old. Um, uncomfortable <laughs> disclaimer to have to make, but I could probably <laughs> imagine why. And then like it had a content warning, um, and if you want to click on it and read the different things that might trigger you, then it will then enumerate them with oh. full spoiler detail. Um, so was that present? Yeah, Katie. The original, I don't believe, says anything about the age of the characters. Does not. Um, all, and I don't think that there was an optional list where you could read the things but there was a content warning that basically said this may be disturbing for you know if your children should not play this um okay. and also if um basically if you find uh, themes of like depression and anxiety triggering then you maybe consider whether or not you should play this game um but that that pretty much is the whole content warning i'm pretty sure what do you although the a- game starts to play with those content warnings later which is kind of a bleh. Oh, yeah, it literally, like, it shows you them again, but distorted and changed. Is that what you're alluding to? Yeah. Yes. Cause I didn't know if that was something that carried over directly, because there are changes between these two versions. Uh, they're, not, they're not so significant that we need to have, like, a sidebar on it, but I was just curious because I haven't touched the original game in, like, four years. But, like, for, for anyone, um, which Katie or Jacob, like... What do you make of seeing a content warning at the beginning of this? Like, did that linger with you? Did that shape your expectations for the game? Or, like, Jacob, of course, you had, like, some of the the expectations sculpted by some other analysis of this game. Um, I, think, I think that, personally, that inspires a bit of dread, but I'm also able to forget about it. How did any of you navigate that? I felt similarly. I kind of see it and I go, oh, okay, but I don't, it's not something that's playing on my mind. Although I kind of knew that we were going to go down a, um, a disturbing road just from Jacob's post in the group chat. So yeah. I, it wasn't so much the warning that made me think that, more so that. But it, I, I mean, it sets you up that you're like, oh, this isn't going to be all rainbows and unicorns like it's not gonna be puppies here something's gonna happen so yeah it it sets a little bit of an altered expectation than it would have just without the content warning for sure fair i went into it fully braced to like again content warnings uh about all the things that flora just said we're gonna talk about anxiety depression Mm self-harm and death uh i knew those things were in this game but I think it truly was the false sense of security that I was lulled into. And then the execution, like from a production standpoint, with which the depictions of suicide were depicted, that really threw me. Yeah. And also this content warning overlaid across like this music and it's all pinks and blues and purples and like, uh, and they're happy and you, know, you have your dating sim uh, characters. And I'm like, hmm. It's it's an interesting uh, comparison to make. Which any impressions or turns for you? Yes. Yeah, so again, I I enjoy horror content quite a bit, and I consume a lot of spooky, you know, stuff. So you see the 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 disclaimer, and it doesn't like uh, I I play a good chunk of horror games. I watch a lot of horror movies. It, I'm like, oh, whatever. 
graphic imagery. Someone's, jaded. You know. Completely jaded. <laughs> whatever. Yes. Sure. I'm like, uh, whatever. Whatever. And then you get to that <clears throat> point. Like, this game uh, extremely puts me off because of the, like, stuff it depicts. Like, even yeah. from, like, I do enjoy horror. Nothing unsettles me. I've, like, watched horror since I was very young. You know, growing up on the internet, you see all of this, like, gross, extremely graphic stuff, and you're just jaded to it, but this was extremely, like, uncomfortable, and I'm not personally a fan of it. Uh, You know, the depictions of suicide and the self-harm that's, like, shown. It's, like, all the weird spooky eyeball stuff, glitchy stuff, or whatever, but I'm, like, there's... The suicide and the self-harm is like a, oof. Uh, I don't, nothing could have prepared me for like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think a question we will arrive at is is whether we think that the game handles its subject matter in a way that is like respectful and authentic. Um, but I, I, we probably have some more table setting to do before we get there. Um, and, and so just to kind of streamline us towards that question, um, I think one of the things in this game that um, makes itself very apparent early on is that you are trying to romance these characters. They're, um, you're, you're just this kind of faceless guy. Um, it is coded as a guy as the main character. And, um, and you're, in, you're joining a high school, I think, literature club um, in Japan. And so you are dragged by your childhood friend, Sayori, uh, and you meet these other three uh, young women who are Yuri, uh, she's a sort of bookish psychological type. Uh, there is Natsuki, who's sort of like a, uh, is it Sundere? I don't know how to say that word. I shouldn't have said that out loud. Uh, a hard to, to approach, let's say, uh, character type who opens up to you as you, as you get to know them. And then there's Monica, who's the club president, who is sort of ultimately bubbly and encouraging and enthusiastic, but you don't actually have the option to romance her. So um, I, I guess sort of, one of the questions that we should touch on is how we approached the poetry minigame. So the first, like, 30 minutes in this game, you learn about these characters, you learn about their personalities, and, and you kind of subconsciously decide which one of them you're going to end up romancing in the game. And then through a poetry minigame, you have the chance to experience one-on-one scenes with any of them. So um, the options the game gives you are Yuri, Natsuki, and Sayori. And I want to know who you all first romanced in that game. Uh, I'll start with which. Uh, Yuri. Okay. And I, you, I, would you like to talk about why? Uh, my type is... I, I don't like the... Br- I wanted to actually date Monica. I wanted to date Monica <laughs> at the start. And I was like, oh, maybe you have to, like, kind of, like, be- beating, being around her. the... Yeah. Bu- unlock her. I was like, oh, maybe I just got to date the other. So I was like, oh, Yuri's cute enough. She, I liked the kind of shy, reserved girl. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to date Monica. And so I was trying out every chance I could to date Monica at the start. But I realized this isn't going to work out. So I went for... I did go for Yuri. I just like okay. shy, quiet girl. Yeah. Okay, Jacob. Same. That is uh, which I guess we have the same type here. Um, I was very much like all over Yuri, although I didn't really understand the poetry minigame right away. Um, I was dense and thought like when I started, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll have to do like a Mad Lib. Like maybe that's how the poetry minigame works. But it truly is. You just pick a word that resonates with um, three the three main uh, characters that are romanceable. And so I started on the Sayori 
route, but then Sayori is like classic girl next door. And so I was just like, uh, Yuri reserved, quiet, bookish, um, attractive. And so went for Yuri, uh, I guess, Katie. <laughs> Uh, I'm getting shy now. Y'all look so bashful. <laughs> I love it. Uh, same. Yuri? Yeah. Let's uh, go. Full let's Yuri go. Um, Sayori, I was just like, oh, it's like your, your cutesy friend. I was like, oh, you're my friend. And then uh, Natsuki was just kind of like moody. I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, I don't know. And then, I don't know, Yuri was more quiet. And also, I'm not, I'm not generally a... Uh, the peppiest person most of the time and I was like no that's my vibe they're just like chill likes books and uh, will probably have makes for some interesting conversations so yes I went for Yuri as my outburst revealed I also went for Yuri um, I, I, I think that I could add the accoutrements of, of uh, emphasizing her traits and everything but like She's hot, she's smart, she's got all the good words in the poems. Um, I, I'm not ashamed to admit that I think er- anime characters are, like, attractive and, like, trick your brain and all that good stuff. So she plays into literally everything. Even the game says at some point that, um, well, actually, I don't know if I should say this on the podcast. Edit me out if you want. But, like, her boobs grow a size, um, and Natsuki, like, teases her for it uh, between when you join the literature club and, and when it's remarked upon. So Yeah, she... She gets accused of stuffing her bra. Which is one of yeah, the moments. Exactly. Like, one, of the, one of the moments where I went, this isn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not for me. I have to say, though, with with respect to Natsuki, um, Natsuki felt too young. I know that yes, the, the plus that too. Of the game Absolutely. Had, like, uh, had an 18 plus, but, you know, Natsuki had said that they're a junior, and I was just like, mm, mm-mm, I'm yeah. staying away from this. Too Either young. she failed or this is college, and I don't believe yeah. either. And it's just, yeah, yeah I, I think the age thing is actually something worth grappling with. It, it makes me uncomfortable on a replay. I think first replay, or sorry, first playthrough, I was a little bit um, like, laissez-faire and didn't really care too much and I was just willing to accept the story but going back and with a critical eye knowing what to expect and then noticing things that are pointed out in the game uh, it it did make me feel deeply uncomfortable uh, as someone who routinely interacts with people of that age Um, yeah I I, I think that this game would be better if it was more clear but I guess that's why they added uh, the, the warning at the very beginning this game largely proceeds as it is set up in the beginning, you play your poetry mini games, you win over a little one-on-one scenes, fan service happens, um, and then all of a sudden, the illusion breaks. Um, Katie was suggesting that this game is it takes a really hard turn. I felt in a replay that one turn is sort of hinted at. Um, there's a scene where you go to Sayori's house to check in on her, and it turns out that she is just having a depressed day and it turns out that the reason when you walk her to school every day that she's a little bit later than you are is because she is depressed and has trouble getting out of bed and getting ready on time and so i think the game suggests its subject matter in the text for the first time around that scene uh but then it takes a hard 90 degree turn you might say um would anyone like to walk us through that specific scene yeah sure i i, I can because i Katie, i imagine let's it do it together recent- it most recently devastated you all, so I'd like to hear your your initial thoughts. I've come to terms with this for like four years. So, yeah, uh, Katie, you and I can go back and forth, but Siori, as has been stated, you know, in my playthrough, it was like about an hour in, starts to talk about her depression, and that's the moment where I went, oh, 
this is not the game like you're lulled into this saccharine sense of security and then she talks about her depression and how you know monica also i believe alludes to the fact that sometimes you know she's she comes late because she has difficulty getting out of bed in the morning depression um and she doesn't come to school one day and so even knowing that oh no like the dark tones of this game and dark undertones, I I probably knew what I was walking into, but it's very much like think, you know, visual novels where you're quickly going between scenes. So it's like you're in the classroom, you're in the hallway, you're outside the school, you're outside her house, you're going up her stairs and, you know, you open the door and imagine that this game graphically is incredibly simple and it is just, you know, essentially, you know, JPEGs that maybe move a little bit. Uh, and then you open the door and it, I'm literally, I have goosebumps right now talking about this. Um, the camera starts to, the, the scene looks very different. It looks almost like that anime JPEG became a horror movie all of a sudden. The music shifts to horror movie music. Uh, and then there are close ups of Sayori um, who has hung herself um, and is just slowly drifting back and forth um, on the ceiling. Um, really scary stuff, Katie. Yeah, it's the hard shift that really gets you is that you've been doing the same thing for, like you said, about an hour at least. And you are, yes, lulled into your expectations of how things are going to be shown to you and portrayed to you. And then and the music, too, is this hard, hard shift into this like, like it's it's very unsettling and. Yeah, it kind of snaps you out of what you've been doing. And I think that's mostly why most of these things in this game have such an impact is because it's layered over this cutesy, happy music and colors and this and that. And this juxtaposition like just shocks you every time they do that. And and then it gets more and more like severe as you go on through the game. But uh, yeah, that's the first one. It's, it's just it takes you back for sure. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to quickly read what I put in our discord chat. And again, we have a cardinal rule in this podcast not to talk about like major story beats until we get on the mic, just so that the, you know, our reactions to the way we played is genuine. Um, but I absolutely had to write down what I experienced and I spoiler tagged it, but I wrote um, despite kind of knowing what I was walking into a series bedroom, I can't remember a time that I've hit saving quit faster in a video game. I got full body chills and I'm currently sitting, staring at my desktop, shivering. The execution of what happened was wild and I didn't even experience the whole thing. Literally, as soon as it happened, hit save quit. And I just like yeeted myself out of my, oh, like yeah. out of it. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. Any impressions, which there? Walkie, because at some point you start to expect it. Sayari starts to start kind of picking fights with the other girls. Because you do, you go through the same thing, very routine. You show up, you get your little moment with whoever you're trying to romance. You you write a poem. And then there's like the, you know, the like uh, common sort of route bit where that's going to happen regardless. And then Sayori starts to kind of act up. She picks fights. She just becomes more distant and sort of estranged. And then, you know, the day comes, it's the festival day. Sayori's not there. And Monica like edges you to sort of. <laughs> She's kind of the instigator, Sorry. isn't she? She yeah. likes to, she likes to push some buttons and watch what happens. She's like, Oh, by she's the like, way, in case you I didn't know, like, it's home. like, mm, what are you up to? And, 
that's like she does. I, I used horrible phrasing there. But I'm sorry I cringed at that. I couldn't help myself. I know, I saw it. I was like, oh, choice man. of words. Anyway, I got your point. Uh, and then you go and you find her there, and it's like, even though I didn't romance her, she wasn't my first choice. Th- that sounds rude. <laughs> but I'm not into the childhood friend trope. Uh, I, it's still because I still liked her. It's so sad. And like, if you're a person that's ever gone through like depression and like suicidal, it's like, uh, it's it's like it's yeah. extremely sad and devastating. Yeah, yeah. I I think with Sayori, it's it's a weird combination of emotions, right? Like I think we haven't talked about it directly, but there's a moment before uh, we walk in on her being hanged in her room where um, you spend a full day with somebody and that's entirely contingent upon one of the poems that you've written and who you've chosen to spend your time with to prepare for the festival. Um, In the game, that can either be Yuri or Natsuki and nobody else, as far as I'm aware. Um, And um, of course, naturally, I was like, oh, Yuri, yay. And I went to her house and she like told me about her knife fetish and whatever. Um, but aside from that, when you leave Yuri's house or Natsuki's house, um, Sayori confronts you and there's a conversation about how jealous she feels about the fact that you just spent your free time and your day with her, uh, this this other girl, and how she feels like potentially her her sort of romantic affections have not been reciprocated in a meaningful way and you have a choice with your dialogue to say either you love her or she will always be like your best friend Uh, I I, kind of want to know what we selected there I think that's actually really influential but unfortunately it doesn't really change the outcome of Sayori ending her life Um, can I come to you Katie first and ask what you did with that dialogue option best friend it's, it's the truth you know you only make things worse by i avoiding the truth in the long term typically so you're like well this feels not great to do because of the state that she's in but it's also worse to go the other way so yeah no i just i just i told the truth yeah jacob did any of y'all ever watch cruel intentions yeah oh no no of course i did okay so, uh, Sayori is Reese Witherspoon in Cruel Intentions. Uh, I disagree, so that, but okay, that's sure. All I'll, follow that you I'll follow you around this, Ben. Fine. Uh, we could debate this Girl next elsewhere, but... Follow me. It's almost like we have a movie podcast. Let's debate it. Um, no, I, I had girl, uh, like Girl Next Door vibes, and so um, I picked Best Friend, uh, not expecting what happened next. Yeah, yeah. Which, how about you? Uh yeah, I picked best friend. I was in full trying to date uh Yuri route, so it same. Absolutely the same. Like that was it it was a mixture of Katie's sort of ethical consideration and I'm just like a selfish simp and Yuri's hot and I'm I'm going down that rabbit hole. So I, I'm with you on both fronts. I, I think that it's kind of astonishing that none of us did the like obviously self-sacrificial thing and said you loved her and whatever because i think the game does a really good job of like setting you up to ignore her and then when it demands that her mental health be a major concern for you it's really somehow easy to blow it off and and i i I wonder to what extent that has like commentary for us as people in the world to like reflect on but also like in the game itself, the fact that four out of four of us, well, I guess Yuri was also very persuasive, but four out of four of us 
ignored uh, that plea for help in in a way that like okay the game gives you a binary fine we're trapped but like i think we all know that that was a cry for help and that we should have acted on it or in theory if we had a third option we would have acted on it and so anyway i don't know jacob what do you do with that i guess my as you said it was a a very simple binary and i get what this game is at at the initial version of the game was very simple very short Uh, my thought was like sure the choice of i love you or you're my best friend is a binary but my thought was oh maybe the next choice will be like do i ignore you or do i like bring you in for a hug and try and be your best friend spend time with you or something like that Yeah. yeah Because it sounds like we were all romantically interested in Yuri, but we didn't want to leave our friend who clearly was having some severe mental health issues hanging. But again, simple binary. So you just have to say best friend and watch what happens next. After Sayori disappears in the story, um, the game then presents you with a sort of end state. It it, it sort of does, lack of a better term, a, a credits roll. And you can either choose to keep playing, uh, hit start on the game again, or you cannot. And I want to know how we reacted to that and whether we actually saw that there was a second playthrough coming after Sayori's death. Because like Jacob said, and I'll hand it straight to you, the reaction you describe is like, oh, no, I'm out of this game. No, thank you. Too intense. Bye. Um, at what point did you decide to come back? At what point did you realize that there was more? Um, and how did that unfold? Yeah, so um, I, I think my... The way I approached it is probably different than y'all in that, like I said, I yeeted myself out of that program so fast, basically f forward out of the game. <laughs> I did save, though, and this I posted a screenshot in our Discord, and it has Sayori hanging in the actual screenshot of the load screen. Um, but I exited out, and I said, okay, I'm going to give myself a few minutes and then like start to see what happens again. And I started it back up, and all of my saves were gone. So I was... I didn't see credits... I thought to myself, like, oh, there's probably something that I have to unfortunately, like, key through. But when I loaded it back up, the game was already already started to glitch out and was, it, for all intents and purposes, what I thought was a, was a clean save. I thought that I had done something wrong when I did it. Um, so when that happened, I was like, nope, nope, not playing this game. And the next time I played the game, my partner had to be in the room. <laughs> Damn. Okay. So I tried to show that scene to my spouse i was like no this hard turn that this game took because he was he's like he knew that i wasn't enthused about what i was playing so he was like how's it going over there i'm like it's fine it's fine and then i was like whoa hard turn just the shift i want to just show him just like how they how they executed that and like the sounds and the visuals and all that stuff so i tried to load up a save shortly before that so i opened it up and went oh 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 they're gone okay and that's where i started to feel very unsettled because once a game starts to play outside of the core game and it starts to like reach out elsewhere i just i'm a sucker for that every single time i've played a game that has that component in it where i'm like ooh, it's deeper than that and it, it's you get to like explore it a little bit more and see what they're gonna do and you don't know like it, it resets your expectations where like anything can happen absolutely anything so so yeah i couldn't load up the game and i went i guess it's a new game now and sayori is basically taken out of the title screen but She's still there, but like other character um, 
little pieces of the other characters are like puzzle pieced over top of her. So she's gone, but there's still like a figure there. So it's like, oh, you know, she was there. It's not like, oh, it's just it's it's only these three people now. It's like, no, no, there was a person here, but she's kind of gone. But you remember because we're going to show it. Um, Yeah, I loved all that. There's there's a moment um, with Sayori's death. It's it's the first explicit clue, and there might be something earlier. I don't know, but like where the game tells you to start digging around in its files, um, <clears throat> we see that through the implied glitchiness. But like when Sayori dies, not only does the background change, and we see like echoes of the menu and the developer and things, but we also see a file that's named explicitly. And if you stop what you're doing and you go and open that file, it will tell you about what's going on. Uh, it's not like a lore dump, but it's like a from the character's perspective information sort of thing. What? What? And what? The game. What now? The game. Yeah, the game is filled. It's a text file. I didn't look at yes. that. Oh. <clears throat> I forget what it is, but it's like it says something like chapter five or whatever dot whatever. And um, if you open it, there's information to be gleaned, and the game is chock full of this stuff as well. Like. I don't know how much digging any of us did, but um, in the original game, if I'm not mistaken, you have to actually go into your game files and actually touch things and like move things around inside of your Steam folder. Um, in Doki Doki Literature Club Plus, which I just replayed, um, there's an in-game OS. Um, and so you can like oh. hit, hit the exit button inside of the game and it will give you a fake desktop where you can do the same thing. See, I like uh, it. I think it's creepier not in-game. Yes. Where it's actually within your computer. I like that better, personally. Totally agree. I, it could not be more effective in how it uses that information. But I assume I'm the only one, and maybe which, who have dug around in the actual files, minus the, we're not there yet somehow, but the Monica stuff, uh, which we will get to. Um, which, did you dig around in any of that? Um, does any of that speak to your experience? Oh, absolutely. Uh because I, I do love when a game goes and starts messing with files, posting things to your desktop. I eat it up. I love it. It's so good. So, of course, it's like I'll immediately start, you know, digging around, clicking through through things. Because seeing when Sayori is just, like, haphazardly photoshopped off the front of the thing, it's it's the most heartbreaking thing, especially after what you've just witnessed. It's so... It's like I want to bring... I think at some point I tried to take the file. I went and found it, and I tried to pop it back in and not, nothing happens but i was like my girl so, so sad so weirdly you can actually put um sayori's file back in the game apparently i have not done this but this is a secondhand thing that i read about and when you do her only dialogue is like stop this this is so painful let me out let me die whatever and she will just loop that what? more or less Yes, so oh like the God. game accounts for the fact that you might have that reaction, which I think is so clever and even more creepy. Like, just, mm -hmm. ugh. This game lives with you in a way that's like, you can't simply exit the program. There's more to like do with the stuff that it gives you. Um, we're only talking about the first ending so far. Like, there's multiple acts, multiple endings. You have to replay the game. Um, I kind of want to know before we get into the rest of that stuff uh, leading up to Monica, what it was like to start the game again and see so much of it be similar, but start to notice the cracks. Um, does anyone have any impressions they'd like to take and kind of walk us through of like either what you noticed or, or what freaked you out or, or whatever, Katie, just, just, just creeped out. Just mainly <laughs> generally creeped out. 
um, where there are characters saying things that are more, um, a little bit more extreme and not as, um, not as simple and forward facing. Like they're a little, everyone's a little on edge a bit. And then they're doing things with the text where text will just like run across your screen in big, bold letters like that have color to them. And it's just unsettling and creepy. And as I was playing, I thought, no, 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 no. As I was clicking forward, because I was just, um, just so unsettled. So apparently some of those have RNG elements, by the way. What? Um, which is oh, to say really? that, like, we all probably experience different versions of how the game starts to break down, which I think is really cool. Um, what you describe is all representative of my own experience as well, but, like, the individual lines of text or, like, if a character's neck snaps suddenly or whatever, like, those that Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> those things can absolutely be contingent upon uh, your local file, which is crazy. Jacob? wild uh yeah for me it was um like i said i had to have my partner in the room and what i made sure to do is literally i was like imagine i was stretched out like as far away from the computer as possible just like touching the mouse button just to be like going forward uh and i took the headphones off and put it through a speaker just so i wouldn't because the audio started to to get me as well but it was the little things it was you know an eyeball popping out here sorry it was the big thing was monica like being in front of the text box even just over top of the text box where i was like nope 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 don't want to do this uh, that really got me. And the the biggest thing was when you first started up, um, you go through the, the literal path that you started on in your first playthrough, but the mention of Sayori is just replaced with a bunch of random characters. Yeah. So, yeesh. Creepy. Um, quick, just quick. You talk about having to have your partner present in the room so that you felt better. I had played this in two sessions. The second session, my spouse was outside of the house not here and i was actually happy with that because i could freely be like oh god oh god oh god oh god as i was clicking through and like no 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 with no self-consciousness whatsoever being aware that i'm just yelling at a computer screen um so i had the opposite feeling of being like that's probably for the best that he's just not here Yeah, my partner was playing Bear and Breakfast on her Switch nice. sitting on my couch like two minutes away. And every time something creepy would happen, I'd be like, look, look. And she'd be like, I'm managing my Bear Hotel. Yeah, Please she's like, I'm very content over here while you play whatever you're playing, but I'm yeah, happy. Exactly. <laughs> Which, any impressions on that either? Uh, I, I, I do remember distinctly like time for the headphones to maybe like shift slightly. I I do not mess with the loud sound jump scares. I yeah. am not a fan, but I was like, oh. Because at that point, it's like, after just seeing someone hanging there, it's like, none of this stuff is getting to me. Until Yuri comes around and is doing Yuri activities. That's I somehow even worse than having to see your best childhood friend hanging. Uh, is... Yuri becoming more and more unhinged. And after especially dating her at the start, you spend the first act dating her. You go into this and she's uh, completely unhinged. Uh, the yeah. the self-harm stuff starts to come into play and that's extremely disturbing and uncomfortable. And it's, oof. That was also really unsettling for me because it, uh, the first act of the game feels more, I mean, it's a dating sim. It is, you know. It's doing what it's doing, but it feels more like based in reality a little bit. 
just a little bit compared to the rest of the game. And then things get more and more extreme as you go on and characters are um, acting in a way that's um, not less, not believe, not less believable, but like, it's just more erratic and where I'm like, I don't know what anyone's going to do. I don't know what anyone's going to say. Anything can happen at any moment. So Yuri becoming more what Yuri becomes was, um, yeah, super uncomfortable. And just like, I felt dread. I'm just like, oh, no, what are we going to do next? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. And it just it just gets worse. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the beautiful things about why that's so like unsettling and shocking is that the game actually sets you up to see those things in Yuri's character. And so like the fact that she ends up doing things like self-harm, she stabs herself with a knife is um, is believable in a way. Like yeah. when you write a poem to get her affection in the early game, some of her words are like ethereal, like philosophy and like existentialism and whatever. But some of them are also like graveyard and like, or like massacre. Torture. <laughs> yeah, like massacre. I think that's literally a word. Yeah, um, it is. It, it, those things, uh, they tell you what this character is, but it's a matter of whether you recognize that in the character or not. And I think that that's personally brilliant. Like, Natsuki is like cupcakes, strawberries, <laughs> icing. Like, all good words. Um, and, and when I first played this game, I didn't notice the thing that Jacob called himself a dum-dum for uh, not noticing right away, which is that the characters bounce with excitement when you pick their word. Um, I didn't notice that somehow, first playthrough. I, I didn't, like, internalize that, oh, I just picked this character's word. But, like, I was building a poem based on what I was interested in. I was like, oh, philosophy. Mm-hmm. Oh, existentialism. Um, th- those are my things. And, um, and so I'm going to pick those when I write a poem. And, like, no, the game is, like, warning you just quietly. It, it, I find that very unsettling, but in a satisfying way that doesn't feel, like, cheap or twisty or, like, B-horror film flick or whatever. Um, Jacob? Can we address the elephant in the room, though? There's probably still I don't several. Think, <laughs> I don't think we've talked about Monica on one single iota. I, I think that's literally the perfect segue because that was where I was going to take us next. I think Monica, you know, as far as that character goes, um, is is signaled from day one in the game. This is not a normal character. You literally can't write a poem for her. You cannot romance her. Um, she is is like she speaks in ways that, upon a replay, are obviously to the yeah. player, not to the character, and uh, and so. I think the value in in a character like Monica is that you probably, despite all of those very clear signs, miss those signs. Did did we feel like we missed them, or or did we feel like we we snuffed Monica out from the beginning and like knew that her she was kind of in control of everything? Uh, I'll, I'll throw it to Witch. What did you think about Monica on her first playthrough? Uh, definitely towards the end half of um sort of like the normal like uh playthrough at the start. Uh, towards the end half where she she is she's like jeering you on and sort of uh, instigating certain situations it's very suspicious very strange because uh, it's also obvious at some point that Monica wants your attention as well and the game very distinctly steers you off of being <laughs> anyway somewhat associated to her and then she instigates you to go to Sayori's house and then at the start of the next, she at the start of the next uh, like playthrough, whatever she very, uh, very clearly is talking to you directly as the player. Don't forget to save your game if something weird happens. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, wait, can you hear me? Uh, uh, and that's like, 
are you talking to Mimi? <laughs> Not <laughs> Miss Chad? No. Yeah, she's she's literally the ringleader. Like she she's the president of the club. And I thought I was like, oh, I can't romance her. Okay. And I just thought I didn't know really know what to think of it. Like it, there is no clear, distinct reason why you can't, aside from the fact that she's the president of the club. But that's not a good reason. Um, and then, like you said, it steers you away from her pretty much the entire game. Um, for me, until the um, clear cut point where it steers you directly towards her when you have to decide who you're going to help prep for the thing for the the festival that weekend and she will not let you click on the other girls it pulls your mouse to monica Mm -hmm. and that was like whoa that was nuts to me you're i'm trying to click on somebody else and i was but she also kind of says like there's kind of hints that you're only gonna be able to help her but then you are moving your mouse around and it's pulling your mouse back and uh, it was yep. trippy. Wasn't there I, a one also where it just like also like the screen went further and zoomed in and zoomed in yeah. so you could only pick Monica? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or there was also an option that just came up and was like Monica, just Monica. Yeah. Creepy. Sheesh, 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 sheesh. Creepy, creepy S- stuff. So we learned that like Monica is taking control of the game itself. Like she is mm-hmm. is somehow gained sentience and also fallen in love with you the player not necessarily the character the player the person who's doing all these things and i think one of the brilliant conceits of doki doki is that it wants to frame the actions that you're taking as like without free will so to speak like you are you're trapped inside of this thing that monica has now orchestrated for you and it's a question of whether you simply keep playing or don't at at some level and though i typically find that conceit within game design to be a little bit trite and uninspired even though it breaks the fourth wall i think that doki doki does something really interesting with monica's character where you are then given like you're you're put in a scene with her where it's just you and she's looking straight into your soul and it's for hours Mm -hmm. potentially four hours i'm going to say this on my first playthrough we're spent staring into monica's eyes waiting to get out of that scene because I thought on my first playthrough that once you get stripped into the reality that she is now like she's been deleting files and characters and 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 narrowing your possibilities to where you only can focus on her you were then trapped there with just her I didn't see a way out of that scene and I thought just based on past video game experience that I could just click until it was over and it doesn't end it literally will loop the things that it she says to you. And I want to say there's like 11 hours of dialogue that the, is what? written into that scene. Like what? an absurd amount. I haven't seen it all, but there's an achievement in That's Doki Doki absurd. Plus um, to sit there for her for like, I think 40 different conversation starters. Um, there, There's so much text and the game will just convincingly keep going on tangents um, and you just have to put up with it until you figure out what to do. Oh my god! Also, before you do that, also with the, the culmination of the the Yuri plotline, where she starts saying uh, very um, aggressive uh, sexual things, and um, she's kind of pushing that relationship, and then says like, "Do you love me?" Or she poses a question of some sort. And I'd, either way, regardless of what you answer, just like with um, is it Nayori? Sayori? Sayori? Um, she uh, stabs herself in the stomach and the chest and dies and 
you come to the screen where you're just staring at her dead body. Yep. And I that was a moment before that where it does a, cer- a similar thing where you can't... I think if you click long enough, it will advance. But I yeah. was trying to get out of it and it was just looping and looping and looping. And then I exited out of the game entirely because I'm like, maybe they're telling me I have to close the game and open it back up. And then she's going to be taken out of the title screen also. I closed the game booted it back up and it didn't take me to the title screen it took me directly straight to that same scene and i went oh my god what do i do and it's a similar out sorry how did you get out of that scene i I didn't get stuck there i think i did it again or i i exited out again and then the second time it was just past that scene like it had advanced me but the first time yeah i exited out brought me directly back (sighs) there and it was the creepiest thing ever. Um, wow. And then, yeah, and then Monica it goes into that again. I, I think one of the reasons that's so successfully creepy is because the game gives you these, like, close-up portraits with the characters that are, like, again, very fan service yeah. like, yeah. hovering He's in on breasts or straight whatever. straight to a closer-up uh, portrait of Yuri again. Yeah. And she's half dead. She's been stabbed. Yeah, just like, smash cut like, straight there. And it, it's well, amazing that the game gives as much care and detail and beauty to those close-up portraits that are yeah. horrifying as the ones that are supposed to be, like, titillating. And into um, the multiple ways that you are able to interact with a game, it utilizes yeah. basically all of them. Every yeah. way that you interact with the menus and this and that, it, it, it takes advantage of and incorporates into the game. And it's, I'm so impressed. Yeah good that's the thing like i knew that i was sending you on a death sentence voyage with this game recommendation and uh if i'm not mistaken i think i'm the reason that this made it on our schedule mm-hmm. like yeah. this game impacted i think you me. said it and i said yes i want to play that well it's like a popular game right like we probably were all like oh okay that might help our like listenership or whatever but no sincerely I, beyond the virality of it i think this game is is literally like very special it's just, <clears throat> it will probably occupy your nightmares for the next couple of years or whatever. But like, I think that the storytelling mechanisms, it uses video games as a medium, as an interactive way to tell a story, I think better and more effectively than 99% of the games I've ever played. Um, and not to be too hyperbolic or superlative with the praise there, but I do think that the reason I, I think about this game so often is because of the ways it challenged me to look at it as a game. And um, kind of in the way that Nier Automata did, but albeit with less, like, budget and stuff. Um, Which you've been quiet. I'm curious. Do you have any thoughts on anything we've talked about? You get to that moment where... And it's weird, because when Yuri kills herself, it doesn't feel at... Well, it's jarring, but it doesn't quite uh, feel as... It's more surreal than the first death. Yes. I think. Yeah. So it doesn't, like, it's like, uh, another one bites the dust, and then you, you're you ready to just move on. Now you, <laughs> it's like, at that point, it's if you, you know, as someone relatively jaded to a lot of, like, this kind of stuff, I was just like, uh, after the things the game's already showed me, I'm like, okay. Bye, Yuri. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I, I think Yuri's death is, is very much in line with what you're saying, where it, it no longer has the same degree of shock that Sayori's death did. I think that nothing could shock as much as that. Um, but still, I think the the 
necessary unfolding of the fact that the person you're romancing is now dead or at least harmed and taken out of the story in some way, deleted perhaps, um, makes makes the surreality, to borrow Katie's word, I think it's a really good word to talk about this game, um, it makes it feel so much more concrete, uh, or at least it did to me. Though seeing it happen was what shocked me for that death because I thought it would be similar to the first death where I would find her and I thought I would find her uh, having uh, cut herself and that she would be dead so I didn't think that that she would just do it right in front of me so that's the part of the second one that just shocked me again we also haven't alluded to the fact that like she also has like real human eyeballs at some point and like lips and like the game takes the psychological horror thing and like a really like I gosh y'all are Canadian I don't know um did you do you know what Quiznos is? The sub yeah. Yeah. not yeah. sponsor by the way. Yeah, we had okay. Quiznos for a little while. Yeah, we did. So like there were these advertisements in the early two thousands of Quiznos where it was like this monstrosity <laughs> of like a puppet or whatever. Um, hopefully those it was like a ads hamster or something you. like a gerbil. It, it was like yeah, it was like a dead gerbil, but it had like human <laughs> facial parts. Yeah. It was so messed up, but like that's what they used, and um, it reminds me of that somehow. Yes, uh, uh, yeah, I agree. Jacob, you look like you wanted to say something a moment ago. Do you still have the thought? Uh, well, I'm, I'm Googling Quiznos hamster oh, no. right now. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> sorry. So for any Canadians, uh, especially French Canadians, there was this... Um, uh, Tete à claque is the name of the... Um, the like web series and it very much had that like upside down face like bottom of your like oh. essentially your, the bottom of your face but upside down and the cartoons featured that that's so, a like, weird show weird yeah, yeah, weird very, show very weird again one person will be like take that clock i love that thing I'm all about obscure uh, facts on this podcast. No, the thing that I wanted to mention is that, you know, the, it was very unsettling. You know, there was Monica talking about like breaking the fourth wall and saying like, don't forget to save your game, wink. And you're like, what? Excuse me? Uh, And then there was the Yuri like twice in my game, there was like flashes of very intense self-harm that we didn't really talk about. Like literally, I'm going to be just slightly descriptive. So skip ahead five seconds if you're squeamish. Um, Essentially her whole forearm was just like covered in slashes, but it would just like flash in and flash out. And so already unsettled. And then the thing that I remember is, you know, I, I thought I remembered a scene of Yuri being on the ground, essentially like the, um, you know, the, the, the love scenes, I guess, if you will, just like her being in a, in a, position like koi pose yeah koi pose and i thought that that was how she was like murdered she like you know stabbed herself in that but having it happening in game was just very unsettling this might be a weird rng thing like i was alluding to earlier in the episode but like i don't think i saw the cut arms thing not to linger on that detail but like I'm pretty certain that did not happen in my playthrough she simply stabbed herself in her chest and in her heart and like her eyes went realistic and weird. Um, the fact that those things can vary, I think, is also indicative of the way that this game feels like a lived-in Ghost in the Machine experience, where there's something cognizant happening here, or there's something that anticipates your actions in a way that is therefore unsettling. Most games do, because of playtesting, anticipate your actions. But to see something that's otherwise so streamlined and linear like a dating sim or a visual novel anticipate your responses as well i think is just bizarre like if you quit out of the sayori scene when you find her in her bedroom 
um, the game has already deleted your save because it waits until that moment for the game like for to expect that you will want to start over because you think you did something wrong. That's like an anticipation of player desire and action. <clears throat> Most games don't show you that they do that. And to see it in a game shown to you, I think is is what's so profound, uh, if, if we can use such a moniker here. I was going to um, back Jacob up for a second because I do remember, that, and that was one of the things that really put me off and disturbed me about the game is I also very distinctly remember the scene where I think you go out to the hall and Yuri's just out there slashing away at her arm and it's like it's an extremely like seared into my brain. Same thing with Sayori's death it was uh, very uncomfortable. Yeah. I think she goes out to get tea water mm -hmm. essentially mm -hmm. on the fountain. Yes. Something like and, that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I bleh. Maybe I somehow repressed this. I, I know exactly the scene you're talking about. I just don't remember the arm slashing, but uh, maybe that's for the best. Um, I don't want my waifu to be uh, in distress any more than she was. Uh, sorry, I'm saying that to make everyone cringe. Clearly it's working. Uh, <laughs> all right. I think we've talked a lot about this game. Do we have any other lingering thoughts that we want to bring up? Things that we haven't talked about, covered, whatever. Um, because I think we might have spoiler exhausted this for our listeners. I guess the the one maybe thing really quickly is that we didn't talk about like the way the game ends. Uh, oh, like, like yeah, finishes. <laughs> we didn't linger is, on that. Yes, we didn't linger on. You said the, something about a moniker, and I was like, "But wait, Monica." <laughs> yeah, we get stuck um, with Monica. Um, yeah. Carry us through to the credits if you can. Yeah. So the the thing that you have to end up doing, I think someone alludes to, and I forget exactly how it's delivered, but someone is like, "Delete me" or de "Delete my character." She um, says it to you. She says it to you. The, oh, yes. she essentially in the dialogue says like, you know, it's not like you're going to go delete me in the game files yeah. or something. Yeah, she mentions and... how she did it to the other characters. She's like, it was yes. easy. I just opened up the Steam and I uh, went, went into to this folder. Yeah, I went to this folder and I did manage folders and then I deleted them. And uh, but you would never do that to me. And I was like, oh, OK, thank you. Thank you, Monica. Yeah. So you exit the game, you delete Monica's character file, who is the only character left in the actual character file. Um, I think they're like .chr files if you're in Windows. You delete it, you start it back up, and Monica is gone. But to my knowledge, from what I remember, all three of the other characters are there, uh, and then something unsettling happens. Something different that's unsettling happens. I didn't close the game when I deleted her. Oh. I just oh, windowed so out, happened? opened up Steam, did it, and came back. And I, per my recollection, which is uh, hazy at times, but I'm still in the room, but she's, like, gone. She, like, glitches out. Yeah. It was great. That's wild. Loved it. Well, the fact that the game, like, gave you either option. Once yes. again, I'm, I know I'm singing the praises of this, but, like, goodness i think that's so impressive that you can still like just literally hit the windows key or like alt tab or whatever and the game still like accounts for that um uh, I, I find that just so cool um <clears throat> is there more to say i i have a letter from monica that i think we should read um and a letter from dan salvato if any of us other than myself sought out the true ending is i, I sought it out on youtube true, oh. true endings okay there's true endings so there is, yeah. Uh, I'll start with the. I don't know which. Did you have anything that did you seek it out as well? Which? I, if it's what I'm thinking, it is. At, at, at when you get that quote, true end, you get that thank you from the developers, right? 
Yes, yes from okay. Dance no, I've, I was I was going to bring it up, but no, you're go ahead. Like the credits, right? Yeah. There's. I think it's worth reading both. Um, I think they're both like indicative of what the game does, but also they speak to it in a way that I think is compelling and useful. So from Monica, the character, um, she says, this is my final goodbye to the literature club. I finally understand. The literature club is truly a place where no happiness can be found. Oh, yes. To, To the very end, it continued to expose innocent minds to a horrific reality, a reality that our world is not designed to comprehend. I can't let any of my friends undergo that same hellish epiphany. For the time it lasted, I want to thank you for making all of my dreams come true, for being a friend to all of the club members. And most of all, thank you for being a part of my literature club. With everlasting love, Monica. I distinctly remember, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but when you delete Monica and come back, you start talking to Sayori... And Sayori is essentially corrupted. She's like the club president, but she's also now been irrevocably altered. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if you, if y'all got this impression, but again, I remember this from the game theory videos that have been done. The book that Yuri's reading is actually about cults and it actually gets like very, very dark. And so there's a thought like in the, I guess the meta narrative is that, maybe this has something to do with the cult, which makes me super excited for whatever Dan Salvato is working on next. <laughs> because what if the game was entirely, what if it was truly just a cult game? Like, or a follow-up to this game, but based on the meta narrative that's shared throughout. Like, gimme, gimme, gimme. This game has a fan base that's as rabid as Undertale's fan base, which is to say mm-hmm. that, like, number one, the fan base is cringy. No offense if you're listening <laughs> this, so this is your first episode. But, like, <laughs> number two, cringy. like, people dig around in this game, and they translate things, and they look into, like, pixel art, and they, like, you know, pine every tweet the developers ever made to try and cobble together some sort of understanding of, like, what's next, or, or what other meaning they've missed in this text, or whatever. And, like, <clears throat> you're, you're dead right. People are speculating so hard about Salvato's next work, I, I would love to... Ow! My cat just bit me. Die! Go! Oh. Um, sorry. Um, and I would love to be able to experience that afresh, but I, as of right now, have heard nothing. Uh, Doki Doki Literature Plus was kind of a, a surprise because back in even 2018, 2019, 2020, people were looking through the source code of this game and concluding that his next game would confirmed not have anything to do with this game. Um, we will see if that actually bears fruit because, you know, here we are a couple years later, Doki Doki Plus came out. Um, uh, Dan Salvato, uh, this is actually the fifth anniversary of Doki Doki. Like it just happened last week. And so Dan Salvato wrote a note talking about the next five years of, of what's coming. And so, you know, talks about his struggles with ADHD and what that has done, um, you know, on the challenges of building Team Salvato and the business side of things. Um, but right now he's working on three games. Um, one of them, exactly your point, Flora, is called Magicor Anomala. I think is the name how it's hmm. pronounced but it's a side project that is entirely different uh the second game is a visual novel and the third game is a secret so we'll never know what uh it'll probably be years until we find out what dan's working on i guess the final thing to do before we start wrapping up is um dan salvato's note you have to 
play all of the romanceable paths on one save file, and you have to stop it when Sayori asks you if you love her or not. Um, if you let it go any further, she ends her life, and therefore you will not be able to use that same save file anymore. So this took a walkthrough for me to get to. But um, I'd never found it in my original playthrough. It is here, and it says, To the special player who received this special ending, For years, I have been enamored by the ability of visual novels and games in general to tell stories in ways not possible using traditional media. Doki Doki Literature Club is my love letter to that. Games are an interactive art. Some let you explore new worlds. Some challenge your mind in brand new ways. Some make you feel like a hero or a friend, even when life is hard on you. Some games are just plain fun, and that's okay too. Everyone likes different kinds of games. People who enjoy dating sims may have a heightened empathy for fictional characters, or they might be experiencing feelings that life has not been kind enough to offer them. If they are enjoying themselves, then that's all that matters. That goes for shooting games, casual games, sandbox games, anything. Preferences are preferences, and our differences are the reason we have a thriving video game industry. My own favorite games have always been ones that challenge the status quo. Even if not a masterpiece, any game that attempts something wildly different may earn a special place in my heart. Anything that further pushes the limitless bounds of interactive media. I extend my gratitude to all those who have taken the time to achieve full completion. I hope you enjoyed playing it as much as I enjoyed making it. Thank you for being a part of my literature club. Love, Dan Salvato. So, um, I think it's a fundamentally beautiful thing to leave in the game for your players in the way that like Nintendo games say, thank you for playing. This feels exactly that, but like more articulate and more, uh, spoken to with my proclivities and my interests as someone who plays games. But, um, yeah, I, am glad I found that. I'm glad I went back and like spent the time finding it. It was worth it. Just a final thought about the music, I guess, before we wrap up, is that I think that the music in this game carries the experience so well, which is to say that in the beginning of the game, the the tune, the... I can't, I can't actually make those high octave now, uh, sounds, but that's my best approximate with whistling. Um, that little theme that loops your way through the first act of the game is permeating, it's cheesy, it's, to use the same word, saccharine, etc., and the way the game suddenly stops the music, we talked about Sayori's death. Um, the game stops and gives you like a blaring hum, like an inception, like just bad, scary, put off vibes. Um, the game also has some like generic acoustic riff from a guitar and like other things that the game just does. And, and I think that when the game decides to stop playing that music, it is time to pay attention. Uh, and that shift and how this game uses its music, not even just its sound, which is also interesting. The music in this game, I do think, dominates the tone that you feel because it sells the believability of the story and the, oh, this is just hot anime women. I'm just dating them. That's all I have to worry about is like, who's going to let me down rather than uh, who's going to suddenly take their own life or or whatever. Um, and and I, I think that we would be remiss to miss that part of the conversation because the music shapes so much of what happens here as much as like 
the successful character portraits and those close-ups that we see with like intimate scenes with the characters where someone's uh, bow needs further tying or or you're sharing a book with, with a said Yuri character or whatever. Um, I think the music does as much to allure the player as, as the art does uh, visually. So that is worth, I think, articulating before we wrap up. I guess the only thing left here then is to go ahead and tell you how to follow up with us on this episode. If you want to share your thoughts or get in contact for any reason, you can find us on Twitter at Left Behind Club. You can find us on Instagram at Left Behind Game Club. You can find us on Discord at leftbehindgame.club slash Discord, which is where arguably we're most active. Come talk to us. Come join us. Come give your thoughts on Doki Doki. And if you enjoy the show... Are you watching Spy Family? Please come and talk about it. Anya, yes. We have Bond now. Oh, spoilers. Um, But... (laughs) Gosh, join us, Spy Family. I cried. I was so happy that it came back. Um, but yeah, if you want to talk Spy Family, if you want to talk Doki Doki, if you want to talk other anime, other games, whatever, come see us in the Discord. Uh, again, that's leftbehindgame.club slash Discord. And if you enjoyed the show, do us two favors. Send it to a friend and give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Um, which, I'm going to hand it to you first. Can you Tell us where to find you on the internet. You can find me at uh, Twitch and Twitter.com.tv at Miss Witch. That's VV Itch. Uh, yeah. Lovely. Um, Katie, how about you? I am on Twitter. I am Lesbrak, L-E-S-P-E-R-A-K. I talk about random things that I like and I have a good time. Come on, join me. And I'm also in the, uh, pretty active in the Discord lot of fun i've been enjoying the FromSoft channel lately because of a Whoa. game that we're playing and Whoa. uh yeah jacob's enjoying it less but i'm all in bloodborne baby bloodborne jacob, baby tell me, if you want to join tell the me discord, how much you hate bloodborne yeah you can taunt jacob in the discord how is bloodborne going jacob look i beat four bosses so that's really good are. that's more than me yeah let's go so I, I played a lot before I went on a trip and I'm excited because I'm going to get to start playing again this week and you know time's ticking I've only got two weeks you can find me on the internet um, <laughs> at Jacob McCourt J-A-C-O-B-M-C-C-O-U-R-T on all major social media platforms my rant is on, t- on Twitter and then I make daily video game content on TikTok um, weirdly enough some video I made about the special edition of um, uh, Dying Light got like 600,000 views wow. so like <laughs> TikTok's very strange. Very strange. I saw um, you just passed like 5,000 people on TikTok. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm, at, uh, I'm close to 6,000 now, which is which is wild and, wow. and cool. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. TikTok, huh? Um, one thing that's <laughs> timely, if you're listening to this close to when it comes out, I'm restarting video game trivia um, on October 5th, 12th, and 19th. Um, the episode on the 5th features uh, the boys from the Trophy Room podcast, um, Joseph Moran and Kyle Stevenson. Uh, you can find that, again, October 5th, 12th, 19th, in the evening at youtube.com slash Jacob McCourt. That's it. That's all I got. That's a lot. You're a content machine. Um, you can find me on the interwebs at uh, Ludo Narrative FM on Twitter. You can find me on EpilogueGaming.com where I put my thoughts in long form articles. Um, I just published something on the game Metal Hellsinger, which really cool. It just has some kind of weak spots, and I talk about why. Um, and also, by the time this episode releases, 
Um, I should have an article up about the anime Cyberpunk Edge Runners, my first ever anime article. But I mean, I have the justification. It's in a video game basis, etc. So come check that out if you want. And then if you want to talk directly, uh, the best place is the Left Behind Game Club Discord. I am there all the time, also frequenting the FromSoft channel, but also uh, crying repeatedly about Spy Family and other things. So I'll see you there. I suppose if Mike Ruffalo was here, we would say, uh, first, shout out to Mike Ruffalo, and that, my friends, is one less game left behind. Are, are we cool if I do the rest of these questions? Because I'm actually really enjoying this goblet. <laughs> Please. Okay, um, favorite console generation? Which? Oh, the ga- the GameCube, that the GameCube era. Pure. That's just well, it's my childhood, so it's just pure nostalgia. Good take. All of my I, favorite I games. All of them came from GameCube. Animal Crossing, Harvest Moon, Mario Kart Double Dash. Uh, I guess that's it. Those are my most. Oh, Paper <laughs> Mario Thousand Year Door. Okay, yes. you know what? I like Paper Mario, but that's an RPG. It's not a Mario game. <laughs> Aren't you a Pikmin person too? <laughs> oh, Pikmin, yeah. Yes. That came out yes. on GameCube. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I had a GameCube. I played at my friend's house growing up, but never. My first Nintendo like console was a uh, a Wii that I bought in 2018, so a little late to the party. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, any video game crushes? I think dating sim fan oh. here is going to have several, but like <laughs> oh, any yeah. standout waifus, husbandos, etc. You know what? The one I get the most flack for all the time is Shane from Stardew Valley. Wait, hold on. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I get it, though. I get it. I, I gotta look him up. Let me yeah, tell you. His he's whole character... He's like an yeah. emo boy. His okay. whole character arc is that he's an alcoholic. Yeah. Oh. And one of your, like, heart events, you know, your one-to-ones where you're, like, growing your relationship, he talks about how he wants to... Kind of in theme with uh, today's game, how he wants to like throw himself off a cliff, and you know, and he says, "Please take me to the hospital. I don't feel good. I need to get my stomach pumped." <laughs> and then the date ends with taking him to the hospital, and then he fixes wow. his life and turns around from there. <laughs> For some reason, he reminds me of the lead singer of Three O Three, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> don't trust me, as it were. Very good. Very good. Ah. <laughs> uh. Um, that was kind of a devastating answer for video game crushes. Do you, do you have any more lighthearted ones? Uh, uh, I don't, I like problematic characters. Understood. Well, I no wonder this game resonates with you. And uh, my, my recent Otsume, I think my favorite, uh, person to date in the Otsume is like, vehemently an extreme, it's like a, it's a mafia. Like everyone's in the mafia, but he's like, likes to kill people like for fun mafia <laughs> okay he's he's like he's a like he is bad he's a bad person to an extreme but i if it's not problematic i don't know it's like a little character spice <laughs>